It's time for another episode of Dynasty Oasis podcast. Here are your hosts, Matt Newts and Josh Adkins. Welcome to the Dynasty Oasis podcast. My name is Matthew Newts. You can find me on Twitter at Nasty Newts. With me today, as always, is Josh Adkins at Dynasty Oasis. What's up, Josh? Not much. Uh, having a great Thursday, grinding some senior bowl tape, just looking into these prospects. Uh, you know, I really enjoy these days. Certainly, I you know, we both still work regular day jobs, but uh, the days where I get to grind film and look into these prospects are, uh, it's a true delight to me. And I'm excited to talk about some of these guys on this uh, national squad we got to see this week. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, episode 42 of the Dynasty Oasis podcast, do any number 42s come to your mind football related? Yeah, Josh Kelly from a couple of years ago. We all thought he was going to be the next Alvin Kamara. I know he's still, I think, if he's on the Rams practice squad, at least still, he still wears 42. That's the one that comes to my mind, at, at least for football right away. How about you? Yeah, not really a great uh, football number. Maybe we no. need one of these running backs to make it their own. If I were a running back coming into the league right now, I'd look for that jersey number that no one's really owned like Alvin Kamara did with 41. I think that's a good bit. And obviously, when you think 42, you think Jackie Robinson. Absolutely. You know, the, yeah. The big you know, barrier breaker in baseball, one of the most important baseball players of all time, my other favorite sport. But Just this is the football pod. So. Yeah. Oh, of course. Absolutely. So. Yeah, um, on that note, uh, this episode will be very Senior Bowl heavy, as you already mentioned. That's kind of the the big going on this week in the NFL. Uh, we do have a few uh, a few notes uh, newsworthy since our last show. The <laughs> Texans finally made a hire. Uh, everyone's bashing it. Uh, defend it, Josh. Oh boy, I don't think I, <laughs> I think the only defensible part about it is that they've got the job filled. I mean, right? I, I you know we've talked about it for a few weeks on this show. Um, the, the thought of Bienemy going here doesn't even really make sense. He can, you know, we keep saying he could have his pick of jobs, but you know, maybe that's not true, but this is not the job that I would pick if I was him. And, you know, I think a lot of the top head coaching candidates are thinking a similar thing. They do hire David Cully. I don't know if you actually said his name. I um, didn't. Yeah, but he's a 65 year old, basically longtime head coach. I know we talked about it last night. Uh, uh, never called plays. Is that my understanding yeah i don't think he's ever been a play caller or even a coordinator and uh, he was the passing game coordinator last year for the ravens not exactly an exemplary uh uh, role there uh (laughs) their passing game was kind of the thing that held them back in my opinion he was also the wide receivers coach for kansas city when they combined for zero receiving touchdowns in their wide receiver for like six, seven years ago. So, I mean, the resume has some warts and uh, I, I don't know. They, they, I think just had to get somebody. <laughs> I don't yeah, know. I know. What job. Well, and I think he's a placeholder, you know, they, oh, he's got me. yeah, he's uh, it'll be okay to fire him whenever the Texans uh, feel that it's convenient to do. And, you know, um, from his side of things, this is probably the only head coaching opportunity he's going to get. So I guess, you know, from his side of things, why not uh, give it a shot? Um, I got to imagine he has the lowest salary of any head coach in the NFL. They're probably paying him like a million and a half per year or something. Just a cheap guy that's not going to hopefully make things worse. I don't know. But this is an organization that's just a hard avoid for me in fantasy for a while, I think. Yeah, no, for the most part, I think you're absolutely right. Um, I think it's also important to note Deshaun Watson. The news officially came out that he's requested a trade. It also, I saw that, you know, he officially actually requested this two weeks ago. Um, it's just finally now coming out today. So, um, 
I, I don't think anybody was surprised to hear this news. In fact, I think we've all assumed that he's played his last snap in Houston for some time now. Well, yeah, the writing's been on the wall for a while. Yeah. We all knew this was coming. It's not a surprise, but uh, I think it is what's interesting is Will they trade him? Will they play a game of chess with him? Uh, they're going to fight for leverage however they can. There was a report from Ian Rappaport today that the Panthers are going to make a strong push for Watson, which shouldn't surprise anyone either. If any team has even a personary need at the position, they should make a strong push for Watson or else they're kind of doing themselves a disservice. Well, and I wonder how much that's in response to what we talked about last uh, last show with the Stafford news that they're now one spot further from their franchise quarterback in terms of draft picks, which means one way or the other, they're going to have to be very aggressive. So if you're going to have to be aggressive and pay a lot of capital in order to go get your guy, why not go get the established guy? So I think that does make a lot of sense. I also want to note that uh, the Vegas odds for Matt Stafford to San Francisco shot through the roof today. Um, it sounds like there's some, you know, under the table or, you know, not under the table, but sort of uh, some some traction to Matt Stafford to the Niners. So um, kind of another domino that could fall here sometime soon. Yeah, I think I would trust the odds more than I would trust any sort of reporting at this point. <laughs> Vegas yeah. doesn't seem to make big, big mistakes. Uh, so if the odds are changing significantly, there's got to be some sort of inside info that they got the, the head start on. So I would... Um, I would read into that. Matt Stafford's the quarterback in San Francisco next year. Brandon Ayuk is the wide receiver what? Overall? Overall. At the wide receiver position, yeah. He's got to be top 12 for me, I would think. Yeah. I'd have to look at my rankings where I even have him currently, but I think he bumps a few guys. I already got him probably higher than most, but he's a a wide receiver one for me. You know, one of the first uh, 12 guys taken in a startup, I would have to imagine. Yeah, I, I thought I was the biggest Brandon Ayuk stand, but I do I'm pretty sure you do have him in your top twelve of, of overall wide receiver rankings. So uh that wouldn't surprise me. In fact, you know, I think as high as top eight would maybe be a possibility for Ayuk if that happens. And obviously, uh be good for Kittle, be good for uh the running game, be good for Debo Samuel. I think, you know, everybody gets a a boon if they get Matt Stafford. So. Yeah, and it might be enough for me to join you in switching uh Kittle and Kelsey into two separate dynasty tiers. I <laughs> I think this would be a magnificent uh move for the 49ers and all of their skill guys. I would be over the moon for that happening. Yep, absolutely. This is normally the segment where we do uh grade the trade. Uh, neither of us had any trades this week, but I am in a, in a uh, dynasty startup right now. I'm, I was at the 109 pick. Um, I ended up taking the rookie 101. Do you want me to read off kind of who went uh, in front of me? And I'd like to kind of know if you think that I reached a little bit on Trevor Lawrence or what will eventually be Trevor Lawrence. So okay. uh, the quarterbacks off the board were Mahomes, Murray, Allen, Watson, Herbert. And then McCaffrey, Barkley, Jefferson had all gone as well. So kind of Jonathan Taylor, Alvin Kamara, Dalvin Cook kind of would have been your top running backs. Devontae Adams, Tyree Kill, CeeDee Lamb, kind of that range of wide receivers. How do you how do you think I did there at 109? I think you made the right choice um, when you're factoring in how you build your team. Could you have gotten, I mean, would I rank some of these guys you didn't take ahead of Trevor Lawrence right now? Mm-hmm. Probably, but you, they're going to be in kind of a similar tier where when it comes back to you with your next pick, you can still get one of those guys that you could have argued for at this pick. So yep. now you get your quarterback. Uh, you wouldn't have gotten him back 
but you it is could, super flex, by the could, way. I should say that, yeah. Right, and I think that was obvious um, by <laughs> some of the names that yeah, were yeah. taken. But yeah, yeah. Um, you weren't going to get Trevor Lawrence back, I don't think. But if you had taken, you know, you could theoretically get Tyree Kale back or yeah. whatever the other wide receivers. So I think it's the right call. Well, yeah, I listed off, I think, six kind of premier players, at least in my dynasty ranks, for one quarterback, so non-quarterbacks. Uh, that are all available. I think I only have five picks between the swings. So I should get one of those players. Or if if it goes kind of skill position players over the quarterbacks, um, I may consider doubling down. But uh, that's kind of where I'm valuing Trevor Lawrence. The, the, the five or six quarterbacks I have ahead of him went, and I did not want to leave the first round without a quarterback. So um, on to Senior Bowl stuff. So on the Monday show, we previewed the American squad. Uh, please go back and listen to that if you want to kind of get the you know some of those names. But obviously, we didn't have pra- anything from practice uh, at that point. Um, so just real quick before we get into the national squad, I kind of wanted to go through some of the guys that uh, stood out to me at practice this week. Um, Kadarius Tony, I-, I think he's probably the best overall player. In fact, I think McShay and um, and uh, Kuiper both have him as the highest player on their board at the Senior Bowl this week. So I don't think it's a stretch to say that he's probably the best player down there, um, at least in terms of guys that are competing. I should say that Devontae Smith and Najee Harris are both, you know, not competing. Um, he's looked very, very good. There's really nothing that, you know, this week has shown from him that um, says that he's not who we've seen on film. He did have a little injury scare uh, yesterday. It looked like just uh, just some cramping. They gave him some water and he was right back in there. Um, but so he, he, at the very least has held his stock high, if not improved it. Um, the other wide receiver that I thought was really impressive was shy Smith. He made a really, uh, a really incredible leaping catch down the field. He has a really nice, you know, body type for that slot, that bigger slot role that can take some hits over the middle. I was impressed with what I saw from him. Um, and then, you know, Mac Jones, I think stood out amongst the quarterbacks. I think that was probably the next most important thing to say. It was a very, uh, very windy day on Wednesday down there, and uh, it definitely affected Jamie Newman, um, who I thought kind of fell again here. I know I didn't talk glowingly about him on the preview show. Um, certainly, you can see the arm strength, but uh, the windy conditions seem to get the better of him, where Mac Jones, um, certainly there's there's still nothing spectacular, but he just he dealt with the situation and the conditions around him, and he made it work uh, to a level that no other quarterback really on either side in the practice that I saw has. Uh, and then just real quick, we, we kind of said the tight end position was way down. Uh, Trey McKitty, uh, a couple one-handed grabs. He's, you know, uh, both Kuiper and Lewis Riddick pointed him out as um, a guy with a long athletic frame who, you know, could develop. And I think that's the key point. I don't think this is a guy for year one, a guy that you're really looking at in the first even five rounds, say, of your rookie draft. Uh, but just a guy to keep in the back of your, of your mind that uh, maybe in 2022, 2023, um, if he's bubbling up, if he can grab the top spot on a depth chart, maybe a guy who can uh, do some damage. Trey McKitty, not what you want to order at McDonald's. <laughs> Definitely not. No, uh, that, that's avoid the, uh... the McKitty sandwich. <laughs> I don't think you're going to like the, the source of that meat. No doubt. Uh, so. Uh, that was kind of the what I saw in a real quick nutshell from the, the American squad. Um, I also watched both days of the national squad here, and, and both me and Newt's, uh, you know, pounded through a bunch of film on these guys. Um, I guess, Newt's, you know, I just talked for a second. I'll let you lead it off. Who do you kind of want to talk about here from this week or from the film that you watched that stood out? Well, our, our, we, we kind of broke down the guys on the American side. The guy that really, sh- of all the prospects I watched, 
um, was on the guy that impressed me the most, I should say, was on the American side, Kadarius Tony. Yeah. We talked about him a lot um, on our last episode. So I, I encourage you to go back and listen to that episode if you're interested in this one. Um, if you haven't already listened to it, but uh, for the purpose of this, I'll stick on the the new guys that we haven't talked about on the national mm-hmm. side. I mean, it's obvious Najee Harris and Devonte Smith are miles ahead of most of these <laughs> other guys, but I, I don't think we need to to break those down. The guy that kind of uh, impressed me more than I thought he would was Nico Collins. Okay, yeah, I didn't. I, I nerd says a small sample on him, just one game, but. Um, for his kind of, you know, archetype, I didn't expect to really like him. And I, I think there's something there. I, I do want to do mo- more work on him. Maybe you disagree with me. Maybe you like him as well. But I thought he looked pretty darn good in that game that I watched against Indiana. It, granted, it was 2019, but it sounds like he had a good uh, day of practice as well. Yeah, no, the comp Daniel Jeremiah threw out was was Chase Claypool. It kind of reminded of him of, of Claypool coming down to the Senior Bowl last year and what he was able to show. Uh, Nico, not quite that big. I don't think he's quite that athletic. Um, but I watched a ton of Michigan in the lead up to last year's draft. I think I watched no less than eight uh, solid straight through Michigan games. And uh, obviously, Nico opted out this year. That's why you're seeing such a lack of film on uh, the nerd site. Um, he really did impress me. He, he, frankly, him and Donovan Peoples Jones, you couldn't really separate if they were to put you know, tape over the back of their jerseys so you couldn't see the number. You couldn't have really separated them last year. And um, Peoples-Jones, I think, was a really good athlete, a guy who flashed some this year for Cleveland. Um, so, yeah, I, I really like Nico Collins, and, and he made himself some money this week. He was a senior bowl uh, uh, practice standout. Um, he, he definitely turned some heads this week. Yeah. And he needed it, didn't he? Cause w- those he guys did. that were kind of fringe that opted out, like they got a lot of proven to do. Did they use that time wisely? And so far it looks like he did use that time wisely. So that's a big thing. He's not like a guy I'm, I'm going to be pounding my fist on the table for, but, mm-hmm. um, he's a guy that I'm not going to miss in the late second round. Like I did last year with Claypool in a few spots. Like he's a guy that will be on my radar radar, but, um, I think the fit's going to be important. Um, I'm not sure if he's a guy that's going to see the field right away. So looking for, you know, a team that can give him maybe an opportunity a year down the road or something, or maybe just, you know, somewhere where I don't necessarily like the guys that are established ahead of him that he could surpass with work, you know? Sure. Absolutely. Uh, Currently for rookie ranks, I've got him as my wide receiver 14 overall. Uh, he's basically grouped in with a couple uh, other big body players. He actually kind of jumped a few of them this week with his performance. Uh, Seth Williams, Tamori and Terry, guys like that, I think, as a late second, early third, kind of exactly where you got Claypool. Um, he's a really interesting prospect. You know what? You, you said you didn't want to talk about Devontae Smith. I do want to talk about Devontae Smith because, um, while I think you're right, I don't think we need to you – know, we've both watched a bunch of film on him. I've watched no less than – you know, 20 Alabama games live over the last couple of years where he's been, you know, uber productive. Um, I don't think anybody who watches him on film has any question if he's a good football player, especially for An- Alabama. The issue with him is going to be, A, he didn't, he didn't weigh in here, and I think people are very, very nervous about what he actually weighs. Um, and then sort of this analytics crowd that wants early breakout age and wants um, a certain amount of the target share at an early age and throughout their college career. There's people, and some of these same cases were made about Jerry Judy last year as well, by the way. 
Um, I think people who, who subscribe to that, and I think there is some merit to it, are going to claim that as a win, that the red flags we saw. But I don't think it's applicable in every situation. Kind of talk about Devontae Smith. Do you care what he weighs, A, and in terms of production, does it matter to you that he wasn't able to establish more of a dominant role, especially considering all of the great receivers Alabama has produced recently? Well, I'll start with the the easy part. The second part, that doesn't really bother me. Wide okay. receivers aren't fully in control of their own destiny to you know a certain extent when there's so many mouths to feed. Mm-hmm. I'm willing to forgive that. I do care what he weighs and um, I'm just not really sure how much I care. Um, <laughs> he, he astonishes me on film, but I'm not going to ignore the fact that he's tiny and he's, 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 he may not hold up well if to a full NFL season, if he takes a licking, you know, I'm not yep. sure if he's going to be able to keep on kicking. Yeah. So, okay. So is there a, a number you'd like to see him hit? I've heard rumors that he may be closer to 160 than he is to 175. I mean, where's the number where you're like, okay, that's big enough. I think no matter what, it's still going to be a concern. I just, I think his talent's so darn good. I'm willing to take that chance okay. at a certain point. I think this is enough of a concern for me to where I'm never going to take him over Jamar Chase, but I think he's just too damn good to take anyone else over him. Yeah, based on what he's put on film. And I, that's right. basically where I am too. Um, I really don't care what, what the weight comes in. I'll, I'll be honest with you. There, yeah, because it's not going to make him a different player if that's, it's 170. He is what he is. I correct. think teams are going to have to use him in motion to prevent him from getting jammed at the line of scrimmage. However, they need to scheme him from being able to get a better release. Once he gets his release and once he's out kind of, you know, away from the physical physicality parts of the wide receiver position, I think he's going to look just as good in the NFL as he did in college. Yeah, I want to, I'm not, I'm not necessarily disagreeing with you, but I sort of want to, um, and I want to transition this to another prospect and that's Dwayne Eskridge, a, a smaller wide receiver. That's absolutely killing it this week at the senior bowl. Actually didn't practice today, uh, tweaked a little hamstring or, or something in his lower body, uh, yesterday, but he has absolutely stood out. And, and the part that I want to disagree with you in is the, the release part, the, the, can he get off the line of scrimmage at the next level? Um, Lewis Riddick and, and, and Todd McShay had a really interesting conversation about this in just the sense that, okay, only three, four, five teams in the NFL even play press man as a, you know, significant component of their defense. But additionally, you look around the league and yes, Devontae Adams is bigger. Um, you know, certainly these bigger wide receivers do have some attributes that allow them to get off press coverage better than their smaller counterparts. But then again, I look at Jerry Judy and I look at Deontay Johnson and these small, quick, explosive receivers that you almost it's not that they they beat press coverage more regularly than their bigger counterparts. You just can't even afford to play it because if the guy misses, I mean, this is what happens with Tyreek Hill. If you play press coverage on Tyreek Hill and you miss, he's gone for 50 yards. Now, yes, two out of four times you might completely neutralize him on a play. But if half the time you're neutralizing him, half the time he's going for a 50-yard touchdown, I'm sorry, that's not good strategy. So this no, idea of, you're of right. being smaller and not being able to release off the line of scrimmage I think is somewhat of a fallacy. I worry more about a guy like Denzel Mims, sort of this less agile, bigger frame. There's more uh, hit area, if you will, for a guy to get your hands on him. And because he doesn't have that elite 
um, speed and quickness, that's more of the guy that I worry these days about getting off the line of scrimmage. I, I, I bought into that for a long time. And so um, I, I do want to get this back more player specific because that was one thing they brought up about Eskridge. Can he get off the line of scrimmage? And Lewis Riddick very you know well put that to bed. Um, I think the same is true about Devonta Smith. And I'll, I'll let you talk about another guy here, but um, just something that I was kind of burning on when I was watching watching this today. No, I think you made a lot of really good points there and something that I maybe need to just kind of get out of my old football, dumb 1994 mindset. Um, if, you, if you got a home run hitting ability, yeah. If, if you can shut them, like you said, if you can shut them down half the time, that ain't good enough when you can take right. the top off if you don't. So um, maybe it shouldn't be as much of a concern, but I, I think it all kind of just leads back to the, the size thing again. Like um, maybe it doesn't show itself there, but there are certainly other causes for concern with a really small undersized guy can they take a big hit can they go over the middle yeah are they gonna be able to run the full route tree um, at risk of their own health so maybe that's where our concerns need to lie i think you hit the nail on the head and you know kind of to get back to sort of maybe a guy that i am concerned about can he get off press is sage surratt another guy that we watched and i think both came away semi unimpressed what did you think about him yeah i uh he he kind of fits the way I thought I was going to feel about Nico Collins in a weird way. Sure. I think these guys group together pretty well because they're similar. They're pretty much outside receivers. They're tall guys. Uh, Surratt looks like he should be physical, but he kind of, I don't I don't want to judge his character off of a, just a small sample size, but he doesn't feel like he plays like, I don't know, a guy his size should play. No, he just seems kind of like he wants to be a finesse receiver, but he's not built that way. And I think he's going to get manhandled in the NFL. I came away pretty uninterested in him as a pro prospect, to be honest. Yeah, it's the inverse of the Jamar Chase effect, where Jamar, I think he's 6'2", is his, his official uh, height as of right now until we get a more official measurement. But you watch him and you think he's 6'5". Mm-hmm. Um, Sage, I believe, is 6'4", 6'5", and he plays like he's 6'2". He gave me a lot of J.J. Uh, Arcega-Whiteside vibes. Um, I know that's going to bum people out because I know he has a bigger a bigger following than that. Frankly, the Surratt that impressed me was his brother. His brother, uh, Chaz, the, the linebacker for UNC, is going to be a special player. Um, but that's sort of on, a, on another note, kind of the wrong side of the ball for, for Dynasty. But we will talk some of that from time to time. Um, I feel like we've hit a lot of the wide receivers. The one we haven't hit yet is Tylen Wallace. You watched his film at OK State. Why don't you talk a little bit about that? And I'll I'll kind of talk about what I saw this week at the at practice. Yeah, I thought he looked um, good on film. I thought his 2019 games were more impressive to me than his okay. 2020 film. I know he had an ACL injury, um, I believe, in late 2019. So maybe that kind of carried over into his 2020 film. He looked like a more explosive player to me in 2019. So if his play did suffer from the injury, maybe the 2019 film is what's more important to kind of look at if you're evaluating Tylen Wallace. And he's a player I like. Um, he feels like a guy that can play pretty much anywhere at wide receiver. He's not huge. He's six one, I think, but he, he feels like a slot guy. He feels like he can kind of do whatever. Like, I don't think he's going to be a mismatch on the outside either. So I do kind of like him. I'm not, I'm not sure where I'd rank him quite yet, but I think he'd probably kind of be in my wide receiver six, seven, eight, nine range. Yeah, no, that's, that's about exactly where I have him. And I, I like what you said there about playing from the slot. 
Um, he's not going to be the traditional slot player, but that is where I do think that they line him up a lot, give him some spray fades, let him just run crossing routes over the middle, get the ball in his hands early. The speed is very, very good. The production at a college level is very good, um, despite, like you said, missing that uh, that that basically full season with the ACL. Um, he's a guy that at the Senior Bowl here, I expected to be a little bit more impressed with than I was. Um, I felt like really the issue he had in, in what I could see is the movement skills are good. Um, he needs to work on his hand technique at the top of routes. Um, he was letting defensive backs grab him as he was trying to make his cut. And yes, you can say that's a, a holding penalty. But what did we just see in the NFC championship game? When 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 the biggest, you know, biggest plays on the lines, yes, they might call it. But the rest of the game, you're going to have to work your way off of that, you know, grabby sort of handsy coverage. And I just. I didn't see enough of that. I didn't really see him drop too many passes, so that was good. Um, was there any sort of on-film things that you didn't like uh, when you watched him? Um, I don't know if this is just me being overly critical trying to find cons, but um, it didn't feel like he gave enough effort all the time. Um, there were plays where he clearly wasn't the primary target, and it felt like he was being kind of lazy with his routes mm-hmm. um, when he was kind of on decoy duty. Um, which is weird because I actually did kind of like him when he was uh, blocking as when he was blocking for a run to his side of the field or a screenplay or something. I thought he gave good effort as a blocker, but I think he almost sells um, with his body language when he's not involved in the play design. And that drives me crazy because um, two things are going on at the same time. They actually Romo spotted this really well in the, uh, in the Kansas city game in the AC AFC championship game, Tyreek Hill is notorious for this run play or pass play the first six to eight yards he is going to make that defensive back panic he I, I don't know if he enjoys toying with them if he just likes he's a little kid and he just likes running around if he's actually practicing releases and setting up different releases for later in the game but you don't see him take a playoff and it's pretty fun to watch him on run plays make defensive backs fall over and it's like he gets joy out of it and so that that I read that you had put that in there. I need to go dig deeper into the tape and see if I see any of that type of stuff. But that would really bug me because I think that's one of the best chances where you can practice a release, practice sort of a stem of a route that maybe you're working on, see how it sets up the defender for the next play and et cetera. I think that there's so much being missed there. And maybe that was... Well, and I um, should add, it wasn't blatant, and it maybe was, you know, it's definitely speculation on my part, but it was something that I noticed, and maybe I was just trying to reach for something that I didn't like, but I, I didn't feel like the effort was consistent, I guess. Okay, absolutely. So uh, that was, well, actually, you know what? We got a good transition player to get us into the running backs. Um, a guy that I was not excited about coming into the week, largely on a profile size standpoint, was Demetric Felton, uh, UCLA running back. Um, I don't think he's a running back. I think he's a wide receiver. He absolutely, uh, was just toying with people on the second day of practice. Uh, exceptionally good release for a a running back. Essentially he played running back at UCLA, um, but he looks like he's going to be an offensive weapon at the next level. Um, and I think that's really good news because I had a hard time trying to figure out how, you know, how to value him in terms of the running back position at, at five, eight, 190 pounds. Um, he was just massively undersized. I kind of see a J.D. McKissick type player. Yeah, you can hand him the ball a couple times, but um, you can just move him around the formation. Um, he was a kid that really impressed me this week at practice. 
For sure. Um, I didn't see a whole lot from him, so I'll just follow your uh, your opinion on that. I don't have much to add, unfortunately. Okay, well, get us into a new guy then. Uh, Khalil Herbert, also another kind of small sample guy on the nerds, but one game from Virginia Tech. Um, I thought he looked pretty good in this game, but uh, again, just kind of like another guy for me, another yeah. running back that's going to be situational dependent. Um, I thought he um, was good in the open field once he got a – got past the line of scrimmage i think he's good at cutting and making guys miss good instincts there so um i was impressed by him in the small sample that i saw but i'm not like shooting him up my boards by any means yet did he look good in practices at all uh yeah he actually did so well let me let me contextualize that a little bit so clear herbert virginia tech um like you said he, he's not a spectacular athlete he's not a spectacular player in the ball but when i say he impressed uh tough borland i I'm sorry, I should know this, but I believe he's Chris Borland's younger brother. Uh, the linebacker played for the Niners, had one great year, and then retired due to, to you know, uh, fear of brain injury. Anywho, tough Borland, good player coming out of Ohio State. Put him on his back on consecutive reps in a pass pro drill. And you know what? That was one thing that I saw on that Virginia Tech tape, the one that there is on the nerds, uh, that I was pretty impressed in, by for a 205 pound, I believe is, is his listed weight or what he came in at the uh, senior bowl this week. Um, boy, he can really drop his pads. He can anchor. Um, and yeah, he really impressed me in that regard. And, and yeah, you don't get uh, fantasy points for blocking, but um, you got to be on the field in order to get fantasy points. And that's something that's going to put him on the field. I believe early in his career, um, kind of a guy that we both love. Uh, that did not impress me in that area and could be a hole in his profile that keeps him off the field uh, was Michael Carter. Actually, the nerds put two more videos up on Michael Carter, so I dove a little bit deeper into into him. It was uh, Duke and Boston College, more of the same, really creative runner. He sets up his his cuts and jukes really well, runs under balance, shows good you know good vision, and and for a small guy, um, can take a hit. Um, but in these same pass pro drills that Khalil Herbert absolutely aced, um, he showed good willingness, good aggressiveness, but he was consistently having a, having a hard time anchoring. He just would just get pushed back into the backfield, and at a certain point, the defensive, uh, defensive end or, or linebacker could shed and get to the quarterback. Um, I think he's going to be a guy more so that when he's on the field, they're going to send him out into a route. But it is something to be concerned about for a guy that I think, as an undersized back, we're all um, putting into the top eight, kind of on the basis that he can do this third down stuff, and that's a huge component. Uh, one thing I did want to note real quick on Michael Carter, um, came in at 202. What do we, I think that's exactly what we asked from him in the UNC spotlight, be four pounds heavier at the Senior Bowl, maybe four pounds heavier at UNC's Pro Day. Um, and that could put him into a different tier in terms of size of running back. But uh, that was at least good to see. And, you know, he still showed the vision and the patience in the drills uh, that you that you look for. Yeah, and uh, I don't think you oversold by any means how important pass protection is for these young running backs. Because mm -hmm. uh, that's definitely something that eats at these coaches' craw. If you can't do your job in that situation, you're not going to be on the field. That's why Malcolm Brown had a job this year, basically, is because <laughs> yeah. Sean McVay didn't trust – uh, cam Akers to do that so um it can it it can take you a little longer to get your uh your legs on the football field if you don't do that at least adequately well enough for these coaches taste yep. um uh, you you did most of the work on Ramonde Ramondre Stevenson looks like uh 
you kind of have a, a decently high opinion on him. Uh, sell him to me because I don't really know much about him. Well, so really the big issue, and I'll kind of just set him up for you real quick. He's kind of a late-to-the-process riser. I think uh, Nerds actually just added film on, on the website to him very, very recently. So if you want to go check that out, please do. There's, there's two games up there. Um, but I think the reason he wasn't on radars is – um, he broke his foot coming out of high school and he had bad enough grades that he could not get into any D one universities. Um, so he had to spend two years actually at Juco, uh, because the Juco school he transferred to was basically loaded with running back talent. And he couldn't get onto the field right away. Um, when he transferred to Oklahoma, the running back room was very crowded. Uh, Kennedy Brooks will be a guy that gets, you know, probably drafted this year, might be a UDFA, kind of an interesting guy. Um, and Trey Sermon, who everybody likes so much, was at Oklahoma at that time. Um, so crowded depth chart, but he pretty quickly established in 2019 that he was he was the guy. Um, unfortunately, leading into the Peach Bowl, the college football semifinal, uh, he failed the drug test and was suspended from that game and uh, also was suspended for the first five games of 2020. Um, so I think that's why there's a limited amount of film out there on him because he just hasn't played a lot in college football, nonetheless, a lot in the last, you know, six, eight months. Um, but what was out there, and actually I have a couple more games on my DVR, so I'm going to be able to watch a little bit more of him. Um, he's a fun watch. And I think before I get into his tape, I think the most important thing to note um, was the weight. Uh, he was listed at 248, I believe, on OU's website, uh, which is, I mean, yeah, Derrick Henry's that big, but there's not a Derrick Henry-level athlete here. So that... That immediately scared, I think, everybody away. Is he a fullback? What is he exactly? He came in at 227, um, and he looked he looked lighter. He looked faster to me than I even saw on tape. I think what's important to note, for a bigger guy, um, I think his lateral agility relative to his size is actually his better attribute than his, than his power. Um, the guy that he reminded me of was Lendell White when I watched him. Um, and Lendell, for those who don't know, and I'm kind of dating myself here, played for the Titans, came out of USC, um, and was really good, in my opinion, at two things. And it was goal line and short yardage, could always get three, four yards when, when they needed two or three. Um, and then if they create a hole for him, he's nearly untackable by secondary safeties and, and, and corners at the second level. So if you can create a crease for him, if you can get him downhill, uh, north and south, man, is he good. Um, running to the edges, he's not going to fit an outside zone scheme. Um, don't look for that. If that's where he gets drafted, that would be a big red flag for me, for me. But, uh, to see him go to, you know, Tennessee's a, a bad example, obviously, cause they have Derrick Henry, but a gap, uh, sort of power based running scheme. Uh, I think he's really interesting. Um, I'm willing to listen to anybody who has him as high as running back four overall in this rookie class. Um, Kenny Gainwell is a guy, I think we're going to have some, some in-depth conversations at some point this off season. Um, very, very undersized. And I know he kept good running backs in Gibson and even Pollard when he was a freshman at Memphis on the bench. Um, but at the NFL, he's not, he's not NFL size. So he's going to have to break the mold. Um, if you wanted to put Ramondre Stevenson that high up, I wouldn't have a problem with it based on what I saw on film. Right on. Uh, Lendell White, love that comparison. Um, Lendell was a pretty good player until he let the cheeseburgers get the best of him, <laughs> like so many of us have fallen into that trap. So And and that's, that's well, that's a that's a great point because just like Eddie Lacy, just like Lendell White, these guys who can drop the weight once 
that's good, but we need to see you keep the weight off throughout your career. So, yeah, this is a guy that if there is that offseason where you see the fat Eddie Lacy picture, uh, yeah, find a way to get out because his weight and his overall personal health is going to be very important to the success of his career. Maintaining that sub 230 is going to be uh, a big for him. Um, kind of, I just want to just transition to this right into the, frankly, the best fantasy player or, or well tied with Devonte Smith, the best fantasy player here. Um, Najee Harris, we both certainly watched a bunch on game film of him. Um, specifically today in preparation for this, I watched what I considered to be the four best defenses he played uh, in 2020, Florida, Georgia, LSU, and Auburn. Um, why don't you start us out on Najee Harris, and then I'll kind of give you my take. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I love the the player profile we're kind of starting to see here. A lot of people have uh, made the Steven Jackson comp, I think yep. yourself included, and I think that's very apt. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love the idea of kind of a bigger back that can also be a real factor in the passing game, uh, kind of a rare asset in today's league. And I think a guy that some of these NFL GMs are going to be kind of salivating over. Uh, he looks great on film. Um, I mean, He's at Alabama, so you kind of have to grade on a little bit of a curve. Um, It's easy for him to uh, get into the open field because he's got one of the better offensive lines in college football. He's Mm -hmm. got Devonta Smith and Jalen Waddell and at times Jerry Judy, Henry Ruggs, these kinds of guys that take the tops off defense. So for any running back in college – he had the easiest path for success and big yeah. plays, but he didn't let you down when when he got those opportunities. I thought he looked fantastic, but I think you need to grade him um, a little bit more harshly than any other player just because of how juicy of a spot it is. But I didn't really see many warts on film. No, I didn't either. And I guess the way that I'll judge him harshly is I watched his tape right after Ramondre. Um, and then I went back and rewatched Ramondre right after that. I watched eight games basically of these two players side by side. That's a good exercise. I should start kind of mixing and matching a little bit yeah. more just to, to let one kind of f- feed into my opinion of the other. I like that idea when yeah, they're that, similar, I guess. And so the big takeaway I had from, from doing that exercise was that as players with the ball in their hands, I don't think they're that dissimilar. Yes, Najee Harris has a lot more room to breathe at Alabama, but it's the, it's the same type of deal. He's a great short yardage player. When you, when you need him to get two or three, he can do that job. And when when you create a crease, which, boy, Deontay Brown, their, their left guard, number 65 at Bama, boy, he sticks out like a sore thumb on, on tape. He is so good. I'm, and really, him and Dickerson, the center, uh, created a lot of big running lanes. But as a runner, I would I would only qualify him as above average. He's not Saquon Barkley or Alvin Kamara or Dalvin Cook with the ball in his hands. What really separates him is the pass-catching profile. He He's not split out as a wide receiver ever, but I saw him run corner routes out of the backfield. I saw him run wheel routes out of the backfield. I saw a play where Mac Jones extended and Najee Harris made a secondary break on the route he was running, something you just don't see from running backs. They kind of they get lost out there as the play breaks down. They don't they don't run that fire drill that the wide receivers do all the time. And then the hands. I mean, if there was anything you had to be critical of him in the passing game, it's that his hands are so good he almost gets lackadaisical catching the ball, where it's just like he can he thinks he can just stick up one paw anytime he wants and just snatch it down. There was one that I saw he tipped up kind of lazily and almost got intercepted. But for a 230-pound player, you just don't see pass-catching skills like this very often. I will say, as a runner, 
Um, for being taller, I think he's 6'1 or closer to 6'2. He does run behind his pads really nice and low, has good contact balance. But just that that special burst, that special lateral burst, and that especially that long speed, um, he lacks slightly. He's my RB1 in this class. You, you don't have any argument with that. Do no, you? I don't disagree at all. That's where I have him, and he'll probably stay. Um, I, I, I can't imagine – uh, anyone kind of sniping that spot from him like CEH did last year just with the Kansas City fit because I don't think anyone had Clyde number one until he landed in such a juicy spot but I think Najee kind of keeps hold of that almost regardless of landing spot I like your thinking uh, so what we wanted to do we're about, we're at about 40 minutes in the pod right now we knew we might be a little bit shorter because all we had we don't have any games as far as NFL to preview uh, just the senior bowl this weekend so we thought we would do a Senior Bowl mock draft, essentially the prospects from just at the Senior Bowl, how we would draft them. We're going to do just one round. Um, and as we kind of go through these players, we'll kind of co- try to quantify where we actually expect them to go, um, more so in your rookie drafts. But uh, basically, this will be our rankings for the players, um, essentially, that are at the at the game this week. Um, Newts, I think the first two picks are going to be pretty straightforward. So why don't you just start us off, and we'll just go back and forth, six picks each. Sure. Um, I'll take Najee Harris, the guy we just spoke of first. Uh, I, I think I would it would be a tougher decision for me between him and Jamar Chase, but I can't take Jamar Chase. I think <laughs> Najee Harris will be the common 101 in non-superflex yeah. leagues. So um, I'm going to just go Najee, and you can take the, the other gentleman. Yeah, and I will take him. But real quick, I am going to say this is a superflex draft. Uh, so while I wouldn't take any of the quarterbacks over either of these two players, I just did want to give that context on the front end so that when we take a quarterback here in a minute, uh, people aren't going, what the heck, uh, I'll take Devonta Smith. Uh, obviously he's not going to be active here. He's still dealing with the hand injury from the, uh, uh, the NCAA championship game where he went ballistic and then broke that bone. Um, so yeah, Devonta Smith at one Oh two. I don't think there's really even uh, a conversation. I think the conversation starts at one Oh three. Um, you taking quarterback or are you going with kind of our, our boo from the last couple days of film watching? Yeah, it's, uh, this is really tough. I think this is really just going to depend on the roster of your team. Um, if you're drafting, you're having to decide at this point. Um, but for the sake of this exercise, I think we're just going startup rankings. I think you kind of have to take a quarterback. I'm going to go with Kyle Trask. I like him a little bit better than Mac Jones at this point. Absolutely. Well, and you know what? Being that it is Senior Bowl week, and being that uh, Mac Jones is from Alabama, you know what? I just I won't delay this any longer. Mac Jones uh, going uh, number or uh, number four uh, to me at uh, who you got at five? Kadarius Tony, man, of course. Uh, he he shines uh, more than anyone to me on film. I can imagine him uh, in a lot of very fun, exciting offenses uh, and. Green Bay, I think, would be a perfect spot for him that wouldn't excite me due to my dislike for the Packers. But um, I think uh, uh, he seems like a guy to me that's destined to kind of be the cherry on top in a good offense somewhere. I, I, I think he's going to thrive in the league, and he's going to be my fifth pick here, and I'm happy about it. Uh, that's, a, that's a good one. I think that one was actually a layup. I think we could have – either one of us could have taken uh, Tony over either of the quarterbacks that we did take. I think neither of us wanted to – have to take Kellen Mond or something and leave this draft with with just that as our quarterback. So 
Um, I'm really torn here between Tylen Wallace and, and Ramondre Stevenson, the guy that I was um, just praising so much. That's the next two on my board. Um, and you know what? Just to have some fun, I'll take Ramondre Stevenson. Okay. Um, and then I'll stay on brand and I'll take Tylen Wallace because he, he was the guy I did more work on. He was the guy I was kind of interested in going into this whole process a name that I kind of was most interested in monitoring. Um, He didn't disappoint me. Um, His fit will matter Um, as much as we preach talent over fit. I think he does have the talent, but um, I I, I think, or I hope he ends up in an offense where he has early opportunity. So I'll go Tylen Wallace. All right. At 108, then I will take probably the guy who's made himself more money this week, even then I think the guy you're going to probably end up taking after me. Um, Dwayne Eskridge, Western Michigan University. Um, he's an absolute just speed demon. Um, and I'm very impressed. It, he's not the same body type as Darnell Mooney, but it reminds me of Darnell Mooney in, in the sense of a guy that, okay, you tell me he can run. That's, that's pretty cool. And that can play at the next level. But you, you show me some of these release moves at the line of scrimmage. You show me how subtle he is at the top of his route. Um, how quickly he gets in and out of breaks. I, I was really, really impressed with him. Um, it seemed like all the analysts thought he was kind of the standout of the week. Dwayne Eskridge at 108. All right, 109. Um, debated on going back to the quarterback well, but I think I would take Michael Carter still above Kellen Mond in a super flex uh, rookie draft. So um, you mentioned some of the concerns earlier, but still a pretty remarkable talent. So I'm going to go Michael Carter. I like that pick a lot. Uh, I will steal uh, Nico Collins. Another, I, I thought this is who you were going to take in the next pick. I, I guess I sort of forgot about Michael Carter. Um, I shouldn't ever forget about Michael Carter. Don't forget about Michael Carter. Uh, I'll take Nico Collins here. Uh, 110, um, the size plays at the next level. I do think he's a better athlete than um, maybe we all thought coming into this week. Certainly the production at Michigan is an issue. Um, but I do think it's important to note that uh, that Bell, the other wide receiver that was there this year, and Donovan Peoples-Jones, um, along with Eubanks, the tight end. I mean, they've got a lot of weapons there, and it was kind of a dysfunctional passing game. So um, I'm not letting the production st- scare me off. I like the athlete. Uh, Nico Collins, 110. Who's 111? Your last pick. Well, it's. I think I need to restress to people that don't play in super flex leagues how valuable a starting quarterback, any starting quarterback mm-hmm. is in these leagues. If you're a team with no starting quarterbacks or limited starting quarterbacks, you can you can make a crazy offer and still not get an accept. Like yep. teams hoard quarterbacks, and you can pretty much name your price when you're trying to sell one to a needy team. So I'm going to take uh, Kellen Mond. I'm about... 50-50 on whether or not I think he's going to be a starting quarterback in this league. But if I'm flipping a coin at this point in the rookie draft, I think it's worth the flyer. If you get a starting NFL quarterback down the road, that's an asset you can flip for a pretty nice profit. I don't mind that pick at all. I think he's he's close to closer to Jamie Newman than he was coming into the week. I'll say that much right now. Um, I do want to mention Jamie Newman for the same reasons you you mentioned. I do like the talent. Certainly there's some consistency issues that I've seen on, on film, but um, certainly a guy that at the next level, you give him a year or two to, to improve and, and, you know, work with some NFL coaches. I think he can be successful. Um, I'm going to go to the wide receiver position. I'm torn here between uh, Omari Rogers and Shai Smith kind of as that uh, um, maybe low upside, but high floor slot receiver. Um, 
I would have probably gone Rodgers to start the week, but I think Shy's done enough that uh, I like, you know, the pedigree coming out of South Carolina. I like what I saw this week at the Senior Bowl. Definitely going to want to do a little more just independent film research on him. But as of right now, that's who I will take at the 112. I think he's more of a, I don't know, probably a third or fourth rounder in, in rookie startups this year, in rookie drafts this year. But uh, a guy that I do like and, you know, any of these people, any of these players can be successful in the right scheme with with enough work and enough effort. Um, there's there's very few guys that have gotten this far that I don't look at and go, yeah, I could see it happening. So, uh, Shai Smith, is there anybody maybe on the top of your list that we didn't that we didn't draft, or anybody you want to talk about before we uh, close the show out? Um, I mean, we talked about Khalil Herbert a little bit. We talked about. Uh, uh, Kylan Hill a little bit last week, two running backs that we just thought were, you know, a little bit more ordinary than not. But mm-hmm. I think it's a little interesting that neither of us took them. Sage Sherrod, a guy we both kind of didn't like, but nobody out here that I'm like, yeah, I kind of like this guy. I think I think I got all my guys that I'm interested in. So uh, nobody that's really blazing a hole in my heart for not taking. <laughs> all right. Uh, well, then I guess I'll say Frank Darby is a guy that in, in senior bowl practice this week did impress me a little bit. He ran a really nice, uh, well, he sold to the outside route, the outside breaking route, and ran along the back of the end zone, kind of tiptoed, showed good balance, um, got wide open on the play, made a nice catch. He's a guy that that impressed me a little bit um, in terms of the ability to run a route properly um, and, frankly, a little better athlete than I, than I was thinking coming into the week. So, um, yeah, Frank Darby. Right on. Um, I think that'll pretty much do it for us today for our show. So um, I don't think we say this enough, but thank you for listening. Um, yes. And if you do listen, please go on to your uh, your podcast service and leave us a rating, leave us a review. Five star would be very helpful. Share us with your friends. Uh, we'd like to to reach more of your earballs. So, uh, uh, but yeah, thank you so much for your support. We really appreciate it. Yeah, five star would be welcome, but honesty is always welcome too. Obviously, within a respectful. Uh, nature. We, we do want to get better and we do want to hear from you guys. So yeah, please reach out to us. Um, who do we got for a happy birthday today, Newts? Well, both of your all-time two favorite boy bands have a member whose birthday it is today. Sync and Joey Fatone and the Backstreet Boys with Nick Carter. Uh, the battle of the two boy bands. Who you got? I was always in sync over Backstreet Boys, but uh, I don't know. Where did you? I didn't really have a strong take on it one way or the other. Oh, uh, you're just... lying. Come on. <laughs> You okay, were, yeah, I was. You were Backstreet hard, but... Boys to death, or I don't know. Um, I think I was more in sync. They had some more bangers in Backstreet, so um, yeah. Happy birthday, Joey Fatone. Fair enough. Uh, we don't really have a plan for the Monday show, so you know, kind of just uh, join us. To, it'll be Super Bowl week, obviously. I was really disappointed they're not doing uh, media day this year at the Super Bowl. Uh, that's always one of the funnest. Uh, you know, that was the whole uh, "I'm just here, so I won't get fined" bit. Uh, you always see some crazy questions and some fun moments from that. But obviously, COVID uh, has us all living a little bit different life, so we won't get that. But we'll have something fun for you on the show on Monday. Um, and then, I mean, it's Super Bowl week, Newts. This is this is it for the season, a, a fun 2020 season. I'm glad we got football, and, and uh, I'm just excited. This is going to be a fun matchup and a, and a fun close to uh, what's been a, a pretty wild season. 
Yeah, I think a lot of us would have taken the Super Bowl if offered to us heading yeah. into the playoffs. I know a lot of people uh, don't want to see Brady get another, but doesn't it help the drama of a Super Bowl to have a hero and a villain? So <laughs> what more could you ask for? Brady versus Mahomes uh, could go down as two of the best to ever do it. Uh, we're spoiled. We should just enjoy the ride. It's going to be great. I'm looking forward to it. Yep, so join us on Monday. We'll be talking about everything NFL and Dynasty Fantasy Football, and we thank you for listening. Peace out. Have a good week. Bye.